0: Hi, welcome to the Oh God podcast. I'm Reebs and I'm Maddie and we're two church leaders who are seeking to create a space for people to get curious and question everything. Welcome to a faith community that redefines faith in a world that isn't as black and white as the world may make it seem. Hello Maddie.
1: Hey reebs Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I can't. Um, what's going on? Oh man, the level of dysfunction today. Yeah. was just really high. I, um, i am drinking this smoothie and it kind of looks like mud but it tastes really good mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's how my Sunday is gone
0: yeah I believe that it tastes good it look it you're I'm right you're right what <laughs> you're right it looks I'm right it looks um questionable but I feel like every smoothie
1: like smoothies don't look wonderful that's not why we drink smoothies yeah i mean yeah you're valid for that i feel like the ones that do look good or that are like colorful are the ones that are don't taste good yeah like the reason this one is so dark is because it has chocolate in it so obviously it tastes good yeah
0: exactly yeah Yeah. i have had my um panera i have like the little panera coffee subscription which is um super fun and fantastic and um i love it but anyway, so
1: I was going to say, how like has that been coffee. working for you? Because yeah. I know that it's super cheap. Mm-hmm. I just don't know much about Panera coffee.
0: Uh huh. I actually really like... I'm like um, both really picky and have no standards for coffee. Like I'll drink... <laughs> let me explain. I'll drink like... Um, like I love Dunkin' Donuts, which I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, Dunkin'. Um, I am that person. Yeah, I know. I'm saying that <laughs> specifically for Matt. My- <laughs> um, but then like... I feel like I'll only drink like iced coffee or like, I don't like it when coffee's like, I like it really strong, but not like so strong that it's, I don't know obscenely overpowering but yeah. I feel like they have a really good balance um I got it purely because you could get like the first three months free so they really roped me in with that um I like it my one downfall is I think I need to start doing the like refilling your cup like use refilling a travel mug because I feel like it's pretty wasteful you know like just writing right. the like throwaways every day so I'm gonna try that Mm -hmm. If not, I probably will just start making coffee at home, but I'm lazy, so.
1: Well, and at least it's, like, on your way to town. Yeah, it's
0: literally on my way to work every day. So it's, like, so easy to just, like, put it in the app and be like, I'm getting my coffee, and then, like, run in and grab it, so. Yeah. Wow. Anyways, that's well, my coffee um, situation at the moment.
1: That You know what? I appreciate that. Yeah. I bought a, an espresso machine for Christmas, mm-hmm. and I've been trying to teach myself how to make the shaken espresso drinks from Starbucks yeah. at home. Yeah, yeah, So far, we're pretty close. I would say my last one was close to like a 6 out of 10. Ooh, okay. Because really all they do is put the espresso on ice, shake it, and then put the milk on top. Yes. So it's not like it's like that complicated. Yeah. yeah. It's the syrup, though. Yeah. And I haven't figured out the syrup the thing syrups. yet. Yeah. I tried really
0: hard, like, over quarantine to make, like, the good, like, coffee drinks because you'll see all over, like, Pinterest, like, Starbucks coffee hacks or whatever. I could not get any of them to taste. Like, I tried so many and poor Austin had to go through, like, all the phases of, like, me trying a different coffee drink and they just never tasted as good. And I feel like that's mm-hmm. so true. I think it's not the, like, actual espresso. It's the, like... um it's the syrups I hadn't figured out, or like the
1: balance. So yeah,
0: yeah. Well, anyways, um, we have some exciting
1: news. S- oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Some
0: might say too exciting. I don't know if we can handle it. I can't. I'm actually. I've been freaking out. <laughs> so we are launching our merch tomorrow. Woo-hoo! Woo-hoo! Yes, at the time of whenever this episode is coming out. But um, yeah, our our merch store opens tomorrow, and we cannot be more excited.
1: I am actually freaking out all the time. I have a cart just like ready to hit purchase as Uh soon as it's done because I want to own every single thing on the store.
0: Yes. And like naturally because we made it, but also because it is like, I'm not kidding you when I say that the clothes are so comfortable. Like I mm-hmm. had like – um I have like two sweatshirts at this point and like joggers because we wanted to like try things out before we launched them. And um I had the opportunity to go visit family last week and I literally didn't change out of my joggers and
1: sweatshirt the entire time. A hundred percent. I pretty much do laundry so that I can get another three or four days wear out of them. Yes. It's so great. And like one – of so my favorite hoodie so far is this really pretty like – like darker stone blue oh, yeah, and it's got, so we have some stuff with the like logo embroidered mm-hmm. on the front. It's and so cute. It's so cute. I don't have
0: one of those yet. And I'm so jealous because you have two now and I'm
1: like, Ugh. I <laughs> exclusively live in yes, it. And I'm like, so what's good. the point of buying other clothes? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty much only ever going to wear this. Yeah.
0: I love the love your forking neighbor ones. Mm-hmm. I now have the in both colors. I have the like peach one with like the orange and the cream. And then there's also like a black one. You can get it in black or peach, each color. But I got the black one with, like, the blue text. Oh, it's so cute. I love it.
1: It's just great. Yeah. And we're really excited. And it was also fun to put this together because we had a bunch of people asking if we were going to drop anything. and And we we were, like, like,
0: secretly working on it in the background.
1: And also, (laughs) I was like, somebody wants to
0: buy my thing? Yes. Actually, like... Yeah, we had talked about it when we initially launched a podcast. We were like, one day we could do merch, but like didn't expect it to be so soon. But we had people like continuously asking. So we've been working really hard to put it together and we're just so excited to share it with you guys. Yeah.
1: And one of my favorite things about mm-hmm. the like way that we're going about like setting up the store and stuff too, is we have access, especially in the hoodies, to a really like broad range of sizing as yeah. well. Yes. Um, because I know that's something that's important to both of us. And like as absolutely. we continue to expand, finding more and more ways to be as inclusive as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I was really excited about that too, that there's um, a decent range mm-hmm. of sizing.
0: Yeah. So, um, yes, keep your eyes open for the store launching tomorrow and keep your eyes on Instagram for a little special announcement tomorrow as well. So, hee hee hee. And super exciting. But if you spend more than $75 on anything, you will automatically get free shipping. So you have to put in the code um, SHIP75. So if you want free shipping and you're spending more than $75,
1: use the code SHIP75 when you're checking out. We are so excited. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see people wearing it, repping the podcast everywhere. It's going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. We are. Are having so much fun with this. There's like never enough wonderful things to say about the opportunities we and the things we get to do with the show. So, we're really grateful for you. We can't wait for you to get your hands on some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And today we're really excited because we are having a conversation with our friend Abby. Yes,
0: Uh, it was such a good conversation. We recorded it like. Maybe a month or so ago, but uh, it was such a good conversation and it's going a little bit deeper. We've talked now about the Bible in two different episodes. So this one's going to expand upon like how we engage our relationship to scripture, which we think is so important. We've heard so much feedback from you guys that a lot of people are really wrestling with the way that they view scripture because it's such a complicated book, right? Um, So we just think it's so important to figure out how can we navigate it in a way that's helpful, beneficial and still seeks like some of the beauty that is in this very complicated book.
1: Yeah. And I'm excited that we're getting to have this conversation with Abby. So we were able to connect with her on TikTok, Uh which was really fun because she's done a bunch of series of videos about different Stories within scripture, kind of recontextualizing them, explaining all of the cool intricacies that exist there, teaching people how to begin engaging it in that way. And so she has some really wonderful insight on what it looks like to read and engage and connect with scripture even though there are pieces of it that we still kind of wrestle with so absolutely
0: so we hope you enjoy we hope you have as much fun listening as we did talking to abby um and keep your questions coming we love you guys yeah today we're here with our friend abby um hi abby how you doing
2: hi i'm so excited to be here yeah yeah we are so
1: excited that you're here um i've been looking forward to this conversation like since we got connected and i feel like as soon as we had our first kind of like zoom conversation with one another i've been creeping on your tiktoks like double time when i was before <laughs> yeah yeah so i'm just like oh my gosh like we're we're tiktok friends it's great
0: yeah so we saw abby like on tiktok um maybe like a few months ago i feel like i'd been following you for a while um because you did like a bunch of really good like bible videos and things like that mm-hmm. um and we just like cold reached out and here we are <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: no, you were, I think you were probably one of the first people to message me as my numbers started getting big. And I mm. know that because I now can no longer keep up with the messages. Wow. <laughs> so oh God, I wow. did it right It's time. really nice that like, I, I can actually remember when you messaged because I was oh, wow. like, that was still a manageable situation for yeah, me and yeah. it is no longer manageable.
1: I'm going to say, what is that like? Because I feel like your following really did kind of take off like overnight and your videos are great. And I feel like there's so much engagement (laughs) on them. And so I didn't even think about how many messages you would be getting from them.
2: I, you know, I'm part of um, a Facebook group uh, that someone made specifically for like TikTok clergy and TikTok pastors. And we have this ongoing dialogue about DMs open or, or not open. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. everybody has different thoughts and opinions on it, but it definitely I thought at the beginning I was like, well this just feels like the kindest thing. Like people, you know, if people have questions, that's fine. And I just I think I aggressively underestimated mm-hmm. the the amount of questions that people would have or the way that they would reach out. And I love engaging with them that way as much as I can. But it's been interesting trying to find the boundaries specifically with the messaging because you know, TikTok has really their um the comments, the character limit on the comments yeah. is pretty significant. So people don't get too deep in the comments, but in the messages, yeah. people are like, hey, here's my heavy. You have yeah. some. So yeah. it's definitely been a road finding the boundaries there. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Especially like also being in full-time ministry with a congregation, um, like trying to figure out how to balance that time as well, of like investing fully in the people that you're with every single day and figuring out how to navigate the new online presence. I bet, uh, yeah, right. that's a lot.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely, it's oh, what a world. What a weird thing to have to f- mm-hmm. try to navigate. I, I have been in ministry in some form for basically my whole life. And so, if you had told me 15 years ago, like, you're going to have to figure out how to deal with people online messaging you, I'd be like, what? What does that mean? Why? <laughs> Yeah. Why are they messaging me?
1: <laughs> what what <laughs> <help>? <laughs> do they possibly need? Yeah. Amazing! Wow. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I can't even. I can't even imagine. I know that they have like a new Q and A feature too. I don't know hmm. if that's helpful. Interesting. Um, but also I hate it is just like a flood. Really, is it as bad as the comments? Because yes. I haven't used it yet, but
2: it's not as bad as the comments. I think that um, I, I, the reason I hate it is because. Once you answer a question, it doesn't go away. It just stays in the Q&A space. So the more questions you get, the longer that becomes and so then again, it starts to get hard to find things I haven't and and you know, the danger with answering questions online in any form is always like People usually have an agenda with what they're asking. So occasionally right. I get questions yeah. that I'm like, I'm not gonna talk about this online. This seems like a really silly use of time. Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> like just no need to back into an internet corner. We're just we're just gonna yes. keep moving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we were talking a little bit earlier about um like movies. So I'm wearing a Devil Wears Prada t-shirt because mm-hmm. that movie is superior. <laughs> it is <laughs> <laughs> Truly one of the best movies. And we were also talking about like our top embarrassing movie, like that one movie that you just love, but you don't tell people that you love it. And so what is like your, your top embarrassing movie?
2: <laughs> uh, Okay. I'm so excited. No, don't be excited. <laughs> no, I'm excited. Um, <laughs> so I'm a little older than you guys. <laughs> Uh, Lindsay Lohan uh, did a I love where it's going (laughs) (laughs) a one a one I mean this is maybe the worst movie that's ever been made and I've watched some really horrible movies but Mm -hmm. for some reason I love this movie and I don't I can't (laughs) I could not tell you why Yeah. Um, but she did a movie called I Know Who Killed Me (laughs) that movie's so good oh I love it I've never even heard of that movie it's (laughs) so weird It has taken me, (laughs) it's so weird and it's so, there is not a single redeeming thing. Like the acting (laughs) is bad across the board. The story is totally ludicrous Yeah, it is, and bizarre and it's supposed to be like a slasher horror movie, but it, and I'm, I'm very easily scared and queasy. Nothing. I get nothing. Mm-hmm, like it absolutely yeah. nothing it's like somebody handing you tomato sauce and being like this is salsa it's it's just <laughs> yeah. like there's no redeeming part of this movie and that's and what makes it.
1: it the best it's because it committed to best. being terrible and because of that it's crazy. i've got to see this movie that's insane
2: it was just like how can we take entertainment and make it not <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: And still somehow hit the mark every time. Yes. Wow.
0: That's incredible.
1: It's so, yes. Wow. I have not seen that movie in so long. Mm-hmm. And I'm so excited that you said that. Mm-hmm. I love that movie so much. That's really good. I feel honestly the same way about the Britney Spears movie, Crossroads. Yes. I, I haven't seen that movie. I, oh, Reeves. I am I a diehard right now.
0: I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I swear I watch
1: movies like die-hard Britney fan <laughs> since like I think my first concert was her when she was on the Lucky Tour and she had the mm-hmm. bed that came out so okay. I love and I remember watching that movie <laughs> and being like well eh, it's okay we'll watch it because you did it but I don't know that I love it um, that's one that that one's a good one mm-hmm. I also I so my top three favorite movies of all time are Titanic Talladega Nights and Hot Rod I love Hot Rod <laughs> Also Talladega Nights. So, anyway. That is quite the list. Yeah. I love it's it. It's superior, uh-huh. truly. And it's in that order, too. So, like, I – Okay. Very specifically, I love mm-hmm. – Wow, I love, I love Hot Rod so mm-hmm.
0: much. I feel like my, like, <laughs> embarrassing movie, which also I feel like I've watched a lot of, like, bad movies as well, but, like, the top one that comes to mind that, like, I don't love telling people I love this movie is um, – trolls the (laughs) animated movie um because like it came out like I was a full adult when it came out but um my younger brother like he loves animated movies so I like I used to take him to the movies like when I would go home and I remember my mom being like okay well this is like a movie that's playing and Michael really wants to see it and I was like is there anything else like I tried really hard to get out of seeing that movie because it looked so terrible like it Mm -hmm. looked bad yeah but um I got in the theater and I was like, okay, I'm going to take a nap. But then it started and I was hooked. <laughs> like, I don't know why I love that movie so much. But, like, it's just so funny and weird and I it's, love the cloud No, I'm guy. with you.
2: It's so funny. It's
0: so yeah. funny. Uh, it's really funny. Yeah. I love animated movies.
1: Yeah. In high school, I was really into Fantastic Mr. Fox.
0: Mm, I haven't seen that movie. God, I feel like I, I live never, under a rock. I don't, even, I don't know. Okay, okay. one,
1: yeah. It's, like, a little weirder. So, George Clooney is the main – like voice actor in that movie, man, it's been forever since I've seen it. But did that but movie it's, come out? Oh, a while ago. I don't know exactly, okay. but it's like animated, almost like felt animated characters. I want to say, I feel like it gives off Wes Anderson vibes. I don't know if mm. Wes Anderson okay. like did it. Um, I feel like he definitely could have. It it's a little it's a little weird, and not in like a funny weird. In like a you were in high school and you chose to watch this movie weird, but you know it was yeah. good.
2: Yeah, mm. I also love I, you know Rouge that a lot. Oh, that's yeah. a good one too. I, the thing, so I am a terrible early two thousands indie hipster kid. Yeah, I don't like Wes Anderson. I'm like, Meh, we yeah. get it. You're quirky. It's true. <laughs> so, My best friend in high school, like he uh, he made me. I think we were out of high school when it came out, but he made me go to the theater and see. I'm not even going to remember the name of it. That's how much I don't care about <laughs> Wes Anderson.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, the the Aquatic Life of Steve Zissou or something like that, oh, which was a yeah. Wes Anderson that film that was weird. really big. Yeah. He made me go That's see it like six times, and I finally had to tell him, I will end this friendship if you force me to <laughs> Please, watch this movie. Please, dear God.
1: Time. <laughs> no, God, no, why? <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, wow, I love that. I mean, I think... I feel like the the best thing about movies is you can learn a lot about a person. Oh yeah, based off the movies yeah. that they enjoy and like the things it's that really you value yeah. in a film. Um, yeah, I, that's why I always keep my top three locked and loaded because yes. I feel like everything you need to know about me is in is packed mm-hmm. into those three movies. That's yeah. so
2: interesting because, I, and this tells you everything you would probably need to know about me. I couldn't tell you my top three because they change, yeah. so often, they change constantly, like what what i what I would have considered my favorite movie a year ago I'm like I don't even remember what movie that was what movie was that
0: <laughs> yeah what do you feel like your top three are like today or currently um
2: they uh it's embarrassing again uh, i I don't care what anyone says I think happiest season was really good I I love I, admit, oh, yeah. I loved it wait. I thought it was really – I agree with all of the criticisms of the one main character of Harper. Like, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. She was awful. And absolutely, Kristen Stewart should have ended up with Aubrey Plaza. But, like, Mm -hmm. overall, it was – I thought it was good. Mm -hmm. Um, I love Birds of Prey. I don't know why. I don't know (laughs) why. But I love – I really love Birds of Prey. It's just – and then probably the most enduring of my favorite movies is the – uh, like two thousand five, Pride and Prejudice. Yes, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I mm. we might have already tangented on this in I an think episode, we have, but I it's just love that love continuous That movie, <laughs> uh-huh. it is oh the hand the the shot with the hand. Yep,
2: yes, it's so good. It that is such just a good everything one. about it. Is mm-hmm. just, when I first started the Bridgerton show, that everyone was, mm-hmm. I was like, "Okay, yeah, all right. Yeah. Oh, this is different. This is different. than not and same. This is some like okay gossip yes. girl. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> it's exactly. like Pride and Prejudice, but add a little spice. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of spice. Amazing.
1: A lot of spice. A like lot of spice. Uh-huh. So oh, that's amazing. Wow, yeah. I love that.
0: Mm-hmm. So good. Um, yeah, well, why don't you just tell us a little bit about like who you
2: are, what you do? Um, yeah, let's start there. All right. Um, well, my name, I don't know why I feel like I need to say it again, but my name is Abby. (laughs) Hi, Abby. Um, Hi, Abby. (laughs) Um, I am a pastor of a, a small church plant in Northern Kentucky. Um, I'm a mom. I've got two little kids. Mm -hmm. They're not little. They're old. It's disgusting. (laughs) They're old Um, (laughs) people. I am on TikTok. I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah, that's uh, honestly that's about all the space I have in my life for things (laughs) right now. Anyway, church, my children, and TikTok. That takes up about ninety (laughs) percent of my energy. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Can you um, tell us a little bit about your church? We've had some conversations about like the format and kind of how it got started and things like that. But I mean, I think it would be really cool to kind of hear you. Explain. Yeah.
2: So my church, uh, we, we're called Church in the Wild. And we uh, were in the process of planting for like a year. And every couple weeks I would... Probably like two years. And every couple weeks, I would Google Church in the Wild just to see if there were any other churches that had taken the name yet. And there weren't for the longest time. And then about a month before we planted another church, hmm. about 40 miles from where we were planted, no. called Church in the Wild popped up. And I was like, "Wow, How? No. Um, so my church is called Church in the Wild. We are uh, a biweekly church, which means that we meet at first what people would consider the church service, like worship mm-hmm. and a message every other week. And pre COVID the opposite weeks were the intention was um, either some sort of community meal and fellowship time or a service project together as a church, something within our community that kind of um, brought us closer to a missional understanding of the mm-hmm. church. Mm-hmm. So obviously with COVID <laughs> those opposite weeks, We haven't really been able to do that. Um, But yeah, that's what we're about. We have a pretty young demographic. Um, We are also a predominantly LGBTQ uh, plus church. Most of our Mm -hmm. people fall into that community, including myself and our our worship pastor. Um, We're a completely affirming church, but we're also a contemporary-styled church, a Mm -hmm. non-denominational contemporary-styled church, which makes us a little bit of a unicorn Mm -hmm. because most affirming churches tend to be, they fall into more liturgical style. Um, so yeah, that's me and my church.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. I love your model Yeah, so much. Um, I agree. Especially because right now Reeves and I both are working on um, finding a way to kind of replant, well Reeves, Danny and I, because Danny's doing it as well, are replanting um, an in-person service for the service that I lead and <laughs> a lot of the conversations we've been having is what does this dynamic look like? How do we do something that kind of reaffirms what mission is and what mission Mm -hmm. should be within the church? Yeah. And so I just am really geeked about your model. I think it's really cool. It is.
2: Yeah. It definitely also, I think helped with COVID because one of our, one of our, uh, one of the people on our board for the church, we were having this conversation where, and he said, you know, you guys were, In a really fortunate position with COVID because you had already set the groundwork that church didn't have to happen in a specific four wall space.
0: True. Yeah.
2: And so when we had to go virtual and completely forego in person anything, our people were already primed for this understanding of church as being something that could be different and be unique and look a different way. Mm -hmm. And they were also already so hungry for any kind of church. That it really did put us in a good position in terms of being able to retain people and have that understanding. I, a lot of churches struggled with with the shutdowns because of people pushing for things and wanting things to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. And we didn't really have to deal with any of that. Our people were very understanding and just kind mm-hmm. of were like, yeah, church can be whatever. And yeah. I was like, yes, it can." Awesome. Yeah. good attitude to have. Yeah. yeah, which
1: it should be. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think...
0: Right, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, no, I just, I think that, like, one of the good things to come out of all this, because, like, COVID in general is terrible. There's nothing really good about it. But I think it'll f- force us in a way um, for the church to think outside of the four walls, which it's been so stuck there for so long. And um, yeah. I know, like, as, you know, people who try to do ministry differently, that was very frustrating, I think, pre-COVID and now it's like forcing this new movement of like oh we're able to do like people being like oh wow we can do church outside the four walls so I'm excited to see like I think ministry is going to change drastically it already has but um just yeah I think it opens up so much and it shouldn't just yeah. exist within a building so
2: yeah yeah definitely it's also caused a lot of reworking of what the building is for right yeah um the church Where we are location wise, we were here. My husband was the associate pastor at a different church here with the intention of planting out of that church. And he was on staff there through December. So, through a good chunk of COVID so far. And the building sat empty for so long. And it, you know, they were still providing groceries to the community. Mm -hmm. And so it became a food pantry. And it was like, Mm -hmm. this is just as much church as anything else. Having. Having a food pantry for, for, you know, your very skeletal staff to come in and organize and set up bags so that people can drive up and get their groceries and go, like that's still church. That still counts.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. And I think that that mindset is what is going to make or break a lot of ministry moving forward because I think that there are so many spaces where that's mission, but that's not church versus mission being church Mm -hmm. um and i think that yeah especially working with younger demographics um that's the thing right like young people are looking for some kind of church where they can love and support Mm -hmm. their friends and their community and they can do things and they can see it left out versus just said and i think that's where a lot of the the like upswing coming out of COVID is going to land is on the places like your church who has figured out how to combine those two things so that people feel connected even if they're not physically in the same place
2: yeah well and we live in a world where if you want worship and a message you have endless options the internet makes Mm -hmm. you able to experience that at any moment that you want it so the church the physical location of a local church we have to offer more mm-hmm. we have to build more of the kingdom into what we're doing than just the praise and worship and the message mm-hmm. because again that again that's available anywhere and mm-hmm. it's available in really good quality anywhere mm-hmm. and so it becomes this issue of like well yeah i mean you could listen to me teach but you could also listen to anyone teach that you mm-hmm. want to hear yep
1: yeah yep smiled yeah mm-hmm. I think that's also one of the things I found so interesting about um, this whole like Christian theology end of TikTok. Yeah. And yeah. like the way that that has evolved and how I can get on there and listen to a 16 year old like spit off like more fire theology than I've heard by most <laughs> pastors my whole life. Yeah. And so yeah. that's been, I think. Like, the thing that I've been pushing is, like, no matter what, at least get on there and listen to the conversations being had because yeah. there's some really incredible dialogue happening on there.
0: Yeah, the theology yeah. side of TikTok
1: is phenomenal. And scary. Yeah, well, yeah scary. Phenomenal. Okay, <laughs> the, the side
0: I like is, is yeah, scary. Yeah, exactly.
1: Sure,
2: there's many, there's many facets. There are some things. <laughs> there's for many I was like, facets. I don't know about that,
1: but, like, sure.
2: Well, and it's hard, too, because people uh, – they, they people will start tagging me and things and it's interesting because when I first started making videos other people would tag other typically more conservative-minded pastors on my videos and I I would say to people in my actual life like what are the, were you sicking the dog on me like what are you yeah. doing and now I find myself on the other end of that where people are tagging me in videos they find like theologically problematic um one in particular today and I I just remember I looked at my husband and I was like yeah I'm not gonna say anything about this it's not it's none of my business I'm not gonna I'm not interested in like fighting for this there are the idea that You're contributing to a public discourse always means people are going to be making comments about it or coming back about it or, like, Mm -hmm. having an opinion on it. But at the same time, just – I'm so much more interested in listening than in infighting. Right. I would rather hear what people are talking about and what their experiences are than just be used as, like, a theological canon that people Mm -hmm. can just point and shoot at things that they don't like.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I feel like that's been – Definitely something that I've noticed as well is that that is where I feel like as a whole Christian conversation is headed, not just on TikTok, but when it comes to like approaching these things that we have questions about, it sometimes becomes difficult to have a conversation because it's less about being able to like back up your argument and like have a dialogue about something. And it's more about I'm right and you're wrong and you're either going to change your mind or we like can't. and. To me, that makes it really difficult to have conversation that produces something that is thought provoking enough to push you. Like, yeah. instead, right. we're just yeah. yelling at each other. All well, the time.
2: very rarely is anyone's mind changed from being debated. Mm-hmm. Very rarely does someone walk away from someone who's come to debate them. <laughs> I, for a while, I would get all these political TikToks in my feed, and that—that's like a big thing that political TikTok does. They arrange for live stream debates to happen. Mm-hmm. And every time, both sides walk away to their own followers saying that they won. Right. And I'm like, so really what just happened was you guys just shouted at each other for two hours and nobody learned anything. Mm-hmm. What was the point? Mm-hmm. Your followers yeah. are still your followers. Their followers are still their followers. And nobody's actual viewpoint shifted or yeah. broadened or softened at all. So good job. I <laughs> guess. Yeah. 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 That's wild. It's a pitfall that I definitely want to stay away from. Yeah.
0: Yeah, true, same. Um, well, I know, like, one thing that really drew us to you is um, in your videos, you have talked a lot about hermeneutics and how to read scripture well, which actually, like, um, I, I'm i sure I'd heard the term hermeneutics before, but I think you were the first, like, video or thing I came across that actually, like, broke it down in a digestible way. Um, so, yeah, what are – Hermeneutics. Just give us a little um,
1: brief overview. Wow, well. <laughs> just like a crash course class on all things Bible. Place. Just yeah, so, yeah,
2: yeah. Real quick. <laughs> um, great. Uh, the very first video I ever made where I used the word hermeneutics, someone commented, and you could always tell when someone is feeling superior in how they comment, and they were like, "I think you mean exegesis. Hermeneutics is not about the Bible." <laughs> and i legitimately what? almost called my hermeneutics professor mm-hmm. that i had uh, to be like hey i think you're out of a job like i it was i don't know why i got such a kick out of it i because i'm you know i literally have a box of books from from school that you know are hermeneutics like <laughs> what well, it's
1: to me it's the principle of going to someone who is like an expert in their field and telling them that they're not an expert yeah. about the thing uh-huh. That they've studied,
2: you know? Yeah. Right. Or it's that they a, do every day. It's such a weird thing. Yeah. And, and and I so hermeneutics, it's it's like the field of study um, related to interpretation. And it can be used for other texts and other books and other things, but it's a word that's primarily applied to the field of study of interpretation of the scripture. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so it's um I, I read a definition recently that was like exegesis, which is the drawing out of the meaning of scripture. If exegesis is the game, hermeneutics is the rule book. Mm. And I really loved that yeah. definition of it. Um, so I'm co-opting it and I wish that I could remember where I read it because I would give them credit. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I love I love that because I think um, one of the questions that we get all the time oh my gosh, yes. is like, what do I do with this? Just like holding yes, the Bible. Right. Like, how do, where like, do well. I start? That's <laughs> the Wish question, it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> just <kidding>. um, <laughs> And so one of the things that I think both of us have found that you do really well is like go through and take stories, like Ruth, for example, and break it down <laughs> and make it something to walk through so that when people go back and read it, they're reading it yeah. from that yeah. perspective and that mindset. Um, yeah. And so when it comes to that process for you, like what is – um, some steps or like what is your approach to teaching someone how to begin engaging scripture
2: you know I so I think one of the very first things when I have conversations about hermeneutics with people one of the first things that I talk about is the recognition of your lens or the multiple lenses that mm-hmm. you come to a text with and this I think that I start there because it's one of the... Everything else is very concrete, but acknowledging our lens, it tends to be a little wibbly-wobbly because we have the, the verticals that we see within ourselves, but then we have verticals that we may not recognize in ourselves mm-hmm. that we may need someone else to go, well, you know, X, Y, Z. So, so any identifier that you carry is a lens through which you come to the text. Mm-hmm. So you, as a woman... That's one lens. As a queer woman, that's another lens. Mm -hmm. Um, As a Western, uh, you know, um, as an American, that's another lens. It also tends to be a very thick lens. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Anything that you have experienced in your life, I think that also creates, I think that things like sexual assault or abuse, Mm -hmm. like childhood abuse or trauma those things also create a lens through which you approach scripture that impact how you hear what's being said. Mm -hmm. And we all have them and there's nothing inherently bad about having them. And so that's the first place that I like to start with people is to just talk about, let's talk about our lenses. Like what are, you know, what are the identifiers that you carry that might impact how you would view the Bible we we joke about the the enneagram in our house being uh, also being a lens i think that I, oh, you know yes. i have complicated feelings about the enneagram but but i do think that that things like that if that's something that is your bent that's also a lens through which you approach the bible i i people who exist as like an 8 definitely read things very <laughs> I am an eight. You are
1: absolutely valid.
2: It's from, a, it, it's so
1: funny you bring that up though, because we've had conversations about like how Enneagram strength finders, like all of those things can be tools in how you approach faith. And it, in even just like down to like how you clean your house, we talked about at one point, but like, <laughs> it's so true because my core value is, or fear is trust. And so this idea of like, how do I trust a god who xyz especially reading through the old testament um very skeptical
2: view that's wow yeah. that's such a good i didn't mm. even think about that yeah, yeah. well and so correct me if i'm wrong is the core the core value of an eight is justice correct hmm okay so my husband is an eight and the core value of justice being so strong and present in him he loves the old testament like, it's his favorite place. And I'm like, yeah. why? That's weird. I What are you talking about? <laughs> but he loves it because the good guys always win, eventually, and the bad guys get what's coming to them. And it's very mm. justice, very black and white justice oriented. Yeah. And so it's, it took him That's a much longer time to get to some of the places that I exist theologically because of his lens of, of justice orientedness, um, he, he struggled. Neither one of us necessarily believes in the inerrancy of the Bible at this point. But that took him some time because he didn't want to release that image mm. of, like, a God who was so aggressively justice-minded. And I'm like, okay, but you don't have to release that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's
1: so interesting. Yeah, I mean, that would – so Exodus is my favorite just as a whole at the moment. And I – that is a very interesting. I'm going to have to spend some time really yeah, thinking same. about that because <laughs> that's real. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that is interesting because I feel like as a 7 like I really hate um like discomfort or suffering mm. or like not having your needs met, like dissatisfaction, that type of thing. I forget like the actual word they coined for that uh, with the enneagram at the moment, but um Thinking of that and how I read scripture, like, those are the places that made me uncomfortable is, like, where, yeah. you know, maybe things aren't, like, all fine and dandy or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, that's interesting. We have to think about that. <laughs> yeah. so th- And that's
2: one of those things where it's, like, but that's, but that's exactly it because a lot of us would yeah. say, okay, well, I'm a woman. I'm white. I'm American. Those are all really off-the-top lenses that are easily accessible to our own minds. But sometimes having someone else say, okay, well, here's a lens that I see that you carry. I think that is, I think it's really helpful because it helps us go, oh, I, you know, we all have those blind spots Mm -hmm. and having someone else point that out for us, I think is really helpful. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's community, right? Like when we talk about like reading and engaging scripture together, Mm -hmm. I think community gets diluted down a lot, just like the people you sit with on Sunday, And, (laughs) like, really, it's being able to sit and say, like, hey, you carry this lens because I know you. Let's talk about how this applies and, like, engaging it in that way and seeing it go deeper, too. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. So once, like, you identify sort of those lenses, what is, like, kind of the next step? Like, how do you actually do hermeneutics?
2: How do you actually do hermeneutics? Help. Um, (laughs) Help. Sorry, I just liked the you know, No, thank just, you. It's like, how do you, uh, what hermeneutic be Bible? Like how? Like <laughs> how when yeah. you're in the office when Kevin does the like. Why use um, new word when few word do trick? Do trick, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think, so then once you kind of have, so so hermeneutics, it, it involves you as the reader and the text, but then the text also breaks down. We break down into these lenses. But then the text also breaks down into things like historical context and mm-hmm. what was happening at the time. I teach the, the young adults um, that we kind of did a crash course in hermeneutics, And I said, you, you, the first thing you do before even reading the first word of a book in the Bible is who wrote it? Mm-hmm. Find out who wrote it. Find out why they wrote it. What was the point? Mm-hmm. Find out who they wrote it to.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. some books of the bible were written as history and some of them were written with a specific intended audience and that matters mm-hmm. the same way that i don't read a history book the same way i read a personal letter right. they mm-hmm. have different intention behind them and knowing what that is matters um, and even in the old testament you know the books of the bible they're broken up into literary genres. Mm. Some of them are history books. Some of them are poetry books. One of my favorite things to do, though bad, this is bad. To mess <laughs> with people, because I'm a bad person, uh, is I I love <clears throat> I love really ruining the psalms for them. Yes.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness. As if I was not already so obsessed with you. This is so great. I love that. <laughs> wow.
2: I always it's it, it's always driven me nuts when people create formative theology in the Psalms because I'm like Hi, this is a journal entry. Yes. This is a real emo journal entry. This is like punk so, circa <laughs> however. So you go. I wish so badly I had brought it out. I don't think it's out here. I have a I have a translation of the Bible that was written in probably like two thousand two and it's called Word on the Street. Oh God. Oh. And it is exactly as bad as you are imagining it is. And (laughs) (laughs) it is written. It was written by a British man, who I think was attempting to write for American teenagers. And it the Psalms is my favorite place because he he makes each Psalm a genre of music. So emo emotional is one of them. Angst is one of them. (laughs) Rap is one of them. Like it's so bad. It's so bad that it's so good. We do dramatic readings sometimes sometimes in our Bible study. It's so fun. Absolutely. I need a copy right now. But I actually, in in a lot of ways, that's maybe one of the most authentic uh, retellings of the Psalms that exists Mm -hmm. because they aren't they aren't spiritually formative. They're not meant to inform your theological understanding you can still learn something from yeah. them i one of the one of my favorite things to think about is that david said some really horrible stuff or or whoever wrote the different parts that we aren't sure of the the authorship like they said some really messed up mm, stuff yeah. which creates this beautiful understanding that you don't ever have a thought that's too much for god mm. god's never going to be shocked or embarrassed or ashamed of you for the things that you think mm. or the ways that you feel that's really freeing. What a beautiful thing to take away from the Psalms. But if you make the Psalms like informative and, and instructive to your faith, um, it also talks about like beating people who speak loudly in the morning. So I don't know. Does that mean that I have to you... do that? Because I'm not a morning person. <laughs>
0: I would be the person people would be
2: beating.
1: Little, little pre coffee. Little... Oh no. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it says, it's like, you know, a, a fool rises early and is loud and his neighbors hate him. Yeah, <laughs> like, my dad likes that. to quote that one. You know too, what I mean? <laughs> so. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, yeah, I love, I love um, all that to say, understanding the literary content is, like, the technical official term mm-hmm. for knowing what sort of genre of writing the book you're reading is, knowing the literary content. There's also... All of these pieces, like the um, what's called historical distance, understanding how far we are now from when that book was written and how that impacts it. Yeah. And one of the most basic examples I can give is if you read, if you read the Bible, if you read the verse, um, your word is a lamp to my feet. Mm-hmm. Immediately, if I say the word lamp, where we are in history, we have a very specific thing that pops into our mind, but that's not at all what it's referring to. Mm-hmm because such a thing didn't exist. And while the technical replacement of that, like it's, it served the same purpose. It's an illustration of the historical difference to understand mm-hmm. that there are words that get used that are so different from, from what we would think of now. And if it happens with such an innocuous word as lamp, of course, it's going to happen yeah. with words that hold more weight and carry more meaning. Right. And so understanding that is a huge part. And I think that then this is about the time when people start to get very intimidated. Like, mm-hmm. that's a lot to think about. That's a lot to to be processing while I'm reading the Bible, which I get. It, it can sound very intimidating. And I think that that is part of why it's important to normalize talking about it and normalize mm-hmm. the understanding of, the reader of scripture being an interpreter for themselves because it makes it less intimidating. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and you brought up a point in another conversation we had as well about how there's a difference between reading your Bible through the lens of like a more educational, informational, hermeneutical kind of standpoint and having a devotional time and how those two things aren't necessarily the same thing. And so... Because I know for me, like part of the overwhelming piece when I first started reading my Bible was I thought that they were the same, and so mm-hmm. I had to dedicate yeah, however many hours like, of, of time to doing this because it took me that long to get something out of it and to do the detail work and mm-hmm. to and to like do all yeah, this stuff. Right, um, and they're not necessarily the same. Yeah, yeah.
2: Even for people for whom it's like they're. Quote unquote job or what they do, that's a lot of time to invest in reading the Bible. Yeah. Even if it's like your whole job is reading the Bible. Mm -hmm. So I think it's such a good. I also, I grew up in the church and I, you know, there wasn't a delineation made between devotional time and reading for edification Mm -hmm. versus study time and reading for learning and understanding and i think i felt pressure that i should be getting learning and understanding and edification from my devotions and it just was a lot to put on that 30 minutes every morning that you're supposed to do
0: (laughs) and there's such a pressure to have that like you have to read your bible a certain amount of time every single day and if you don't do it consistently and wake up at 4 a.m then you're a terrible christian
1: You know, I I had someone once Mm -hmm. compare your like quiet time, which according to them had to happen in the morning. And as we have, I am not a morning person. I don't want (laughs) to spend time with Jesus in the morning. I am my worst self. I don't want to spend time with anybody in the morning. Like I am my worst self pre 8am. Like that is not great. And they compared it to setting a coffee date with Jesus. And so if you set a coffee date with someone and you don't show up over and over again, you're just standing Jesus up. And Jesus is just sitting there at your table waiting for you to show up and you just never show up. And it was so like- I mean, I think you can communicate Jesus on that you want thing. to bump it back, you know? Yeah, like- like, I think I think he's going to be cool <laughs> yeah, with it. Yeah, or, I think that's know, okay. to like meet at another time and place. Yeah. <laughs> but it just like this idea that it has to happen and it has to look a certain way and it has to be in this model- is so, like, restricting. Yeah. And I think it it's also so- caps... Well, and
2: let's... Who who uses that as the example? Like, I, if I had a friend who I was like, "Hey, let's hang out," and they were like, "It has to be at seven." Yeah, right. Yes. That's so pushy. And you have to be there every day. And if not, I'm just going to sit. We're there not and friends. Cry. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And if you don't, I will sit there and do nothing but think about how you've let me down. I'd yeah. be like, "Hey, we should like that's reevaluate a really this friendship because I that's I don't." Mm. Yeah. yeah. And so it, it doesn't just put so much pressure on us. It really, really um, puts the idea of Christ in this very weird box that says that yeah. his judgment of us yeah, is very persnickety and very easy to invoke yes. and very easy to incur his wrath. Yeah. Like, okay. Which I'm like,
1: I don't remember which Bible story you pulled that whole, like, I mean, maybe it's the table flipping, but that was a very different, very different reason for flipping tables. It was yeah. not because the coffee got cold. Yeah, I was
0: going to say, do you not
2: remember that passage? That, <laughs> right. The Coffee with Jesus passage? How dare you? I thought we had plans. Yeah, I always heard, it was always taught to me um, as like a, a tithe of your time, mm. that tithing mm. is like the, you know, the first fruits, this idea of first yeah. fruits. And here's what's interesting, and I think that this is actually a big part of how, deconstruction or evolution or whatever term you use for for faith growing and changing this this was one of the things that really helped push me in that direction was this understanding of like okay well first fruits it was because those were the best fruits Mm. those those were what would go to market and sell best so it wasn't because they were picked first it was because they were they were picked first because they were best so if i have to give my best to jesus it's not going to be at seven. Right. Mm-hmm. Jesus, that's not. <laughs> that's
1: not what you want. Mm-hmm.
2: That's not going to be. Best that might be the first moment I'm awake, but it's certainly not the best <laughs> moment that I'm conscious. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, which I think is a huge, a huge piece, too, of understanding how to read all of this um, from the lens of, you know, deconstruction or evolution or whatever is learning, I think, first and foremost, that like this time that you spend in scripture, be that studying or devotional time or whatever really is yours to kind of make and have it take shape so that it suits you. Like, I think that these are tools and resources yeah. we use to grow. And if we're starting to use those tools and they're not serving us, then we can reevaluate yeah, our absolutely. relationship to them. That's yeah. been something that's helped right. with me a lot lately.
2: Yeah, and, and just the freedom to do that or the freedom to go I, I'm in a season where I can't handle a lot of Bible study. I just need the comfort and edification of, of spiritual connectiveness mm-hmm. to the creator. Yeah. And I can't, I can't handle, I don't have the space or the emotional availability to process mm-hmm. deconstructing or hermeneutics or any of it. I don't want to know what it means. I just want to read a proverb a day and... I want to tell people, like, that's okay. Do that. Yeah. Do that. Yeah. And if you're in a season of deep hunger and deep curiosity and you're just like, I just want to learn, and you don't find yourself with a lot of time for the overly spiritual, connective, devotional side of it, that's okay too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is mirrored in our relationships in real personality life. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. In real person-to-person life. That's mirrored because our friendships with people, the tone is different at different times and different seasons. Different needs are met through different seasons. Yeah. Jesus does not begrudge us the season that we're in. And it's such a weird thing to do to make him begrudge us those things.
0: Right. Yeah. 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 I feel like we have a very complicated relationship with scripture as Christians because there is so much pressure around like, you must read it like, you have to read scripture, you have to pray, and you have to do it this amount. Um, But then there's also this, like, we aren't really taught what to do with it. You know, the fact that I've been, um, you know, in the church. And again, I'm sure someone at some point said the word hermeneutics, or um, I do feel like I had people around (laughs) me that, like, taught the importance of context and the importance of knowing what type of book it was and things like that. But there's this immense pressure to read it, but then there's very few people there teaching you how to actually read it. Um. well and because if not I feel like you right. also see a lot of people who take it very literally word for word which is I feel like where we see a lot of damage come from yeah
2: absolutely well there's a lot of pressure to read it but then truthfully um, n- there's almost zero pressure to interpret it you're just supposed yes. to receive the interpretation Ooh. of whatever leader you're sitting yeah. under and I think one of the hardest things for people to wrap their mind around is that Everyone believes an interpretation of the Bible. Mm -hmm. You might believe your interpretation is right, but it doesn't make it the only way to interpret something. Interpretation, you're either believing an interpretation you developed or an interpretation your pastor handed you or one that your parents handed you or some combination thereof. But everyone believes an interpretation of the scripture. Nobody is walking this earth with just like, the full-on facts that have not at all had to be sifted through and measured. Right. Are even the translation, when people ask, what translation do you read? They're asking that because the translations are yeah. the mm-hmm. most forward-facing thing that we have to delineate interpretation. Yeah. So even those are an interpretation. Yeah. So this understanding of, of like, what you're saying about there's so much pressure to read it, but then we put zero pressure, and it just becomes this, this – And I think that, honestly, I think that's why people tend to struggle with reading the Bible is because we've taken the point out of it. Mm -hmm. If I'm just supposed to read it, but I'm not supposed to do anything with what I'm reading, then what's the point? If you're going to give me the answers mm -hmm. in the back of the book, why do I care what the book it says?
1: Yes. Uh, That's really good. (laughs) Yes. And, oh, man, yeah, I have so many thoughts in my brain about that. Yeah, yeah. Because I think... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, and I think it also kind of comes full circle again to our conversation earlier around the survival of the church as a whole. And I think the problem is we've gotten to a place where people read it, but they come to church to hear a pastor interpret it for them. Mm-hmm. And so because we're also not just equipping people to interpret it for itself for themselves, it can be this place where it's like a... um. I'm not finding great language, but almost like a, a membership pipeline. Like you keep coming mm, back yeah. because you need my interpretation. And if I don't give you all of the tools to interpret it yourself, you're going to read it and you're going to go along with what I say. And we can yeah. continue to sustain our model. Ooh, yeah, And I think that that is why it's so important to have set up within the church that not only equips and teaches people how to read this and interpret it for themselves, but to also know what it looks like outside of the building and to also know what it looks like to put it into practice and to share it and to do all of these things. Because if you know how to do that yourself, then you're going to see self transformation Yeah, because it's, it's working for you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it's one of those things too, where, um, You have these old party lines within churches because a pastor taught that and and then those people grew up into the church and some of them became pastors and now they're teaching that and then some of them, you know, they grew up in the church and some of them became but and on and on and on. And so we have these things, like I think about the Pharisees and the way in which um, church and Christians, we tend to paint the Pharisees in this really specific light that I never had a problem with until a few years ago starting to have conversations with people from Jewish communities who were like, you guys are kind of jerks about this and you don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, "Why? of course I know what I'm talking about. I've heard about the Pharisees my whole life. Of course I know what I'm talking about. And, and, which is just like the absolute most arrogant (laughs) way to (laughs) interact with somebody. And and we're all guilty of it, yeah. mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, but to just open yourself up to being like, hey, maybe maybe something isn't true just because it's what's always been said. Maybe something is is different than what has been taught, not because those people were trying to be malicious or lie or trick people or control people. They just genuinely believed it, but they were wrong and they never knew.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah
2: like normalized pastors being wrong. I just, I just wish that that Mm
1: -hmm. was a more normal thing owning that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, all of this this harm, Mm -hmm. I mean, on a much less like smaller level from what we've seen recently and a spike in, you know, pastoral harm coming out. But I think that there is, there's so much pressure on pastors to have it absolutely down perfectly Yeah. And I think some of my favorite people to watch and to follow are the people whose theology is evolving, Um, Mm -hmm. even just to watch the way that that's happening, because I think that that shows a bigger marker of leadership.
0: And it shows that you can also like ask questions and change and admit when you're wrong and, you know, move forward.
2: And you know, the truth is, so I'm a pastor's kid. <laughs> I've, got a lot of, I've got a lot of pastors in my family. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> um, i got a lot of pastors in my family, and you know, I've been in church literally my whole life. Um, and one of the things that I see the most is that pastors tend, we tend to wrap our identity up in people trusting mm. us. And I think I really believe that a big part of, of normalizing pastors being wrong has to start with the pastor themselves, like like what you're mm-hmm. saying, Maddie, because I think we don't do it a lot of times because if someone's questioning us or questioning what we've taught, then we're, our authority is at stake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's such a weird... The older I get, the the more I look at that and go, but why? Why... Why does being right equal having authority? Mm -hmm. The founders of the Christian church, as we know it, Peter and Paul, like they disagreed about a lot. And we don't ever actually see them coming together in agreement about a lot of that stuff. We see them kind of acquiescing to one another sometimes, Mm -hmm. but we don't see them going, all right, you were right, I was wrong. Mm -hmm. We see both of them hold those lines and... If the beginnings of our faith structure mm-hmm. were born from people disagreeing, like we're going to disagree sometimes. And some of us are going to be wrong sometimes. Yeah. And that doesn't challenge our authority. We still consider Paul and Peter the authorities. Yeah, mm-hmm. It didn't shift their authority. So it, it shouldn't, we shouldn't allow it to, as pastors make make us doubt ourselves and doubt mm, our own authority, but also maybe it's okay if we give up some of that authority and don't yeah. hold. I think that's when people start to get into problems is when we yeah. get attached to this feeling of mm-hmm. being the authority, like maybe release that. That's maybe an ego thing yeah. that we should just be sure that we're not stepping into. Yeah. So that was kind of a tangent. Mm. Sorry, yeah. It's a good one. It's <laughs> yeah, really good.
1: It's really good.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> um, I feel like a lot of people, um, that we've had conversations with when they sort of start this journey of, like, beginning to ask, like, deeper faith questions and, like, trying to get rid of sort of the ideas they've just always heard, um, there can be a tendency to just really, like, push away from reading scripture at all and sort of this resistance of, like, well, everything I've heard so far is, like, really tilted to one side or whatever. And um, what is, like, your advice to people who don't really see any benefit or – Getting anything out of reading scripture?
2: I'm getting this. Is gonna, I'm going to get in trouble. Then don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, and I, I think especially as it relates to people who have grown up in the faith and yeah. who have been just inundated with all things religiosity. Yeah. Like it just. It's okay to. It's okay to mm. step back. That's okay. Yeah. I think sometimes part of our problem is that we lose the ability to wonder Mm. at things Mm. and be amazed by things because it has all, it's been such a constant and that's the downside, right. Of growing up in church and having been in church your whole life is that it loses some of that allure that other people who are new to faith tend to find in it because it's just always been there. Right. Mm -hmm. I think it's okay to step away from things, especially in a season, you know, we talk about the, the Bible being the, the word of God, but the Bible says Jesus is the word yeah. of God. Mm-hmm. And there is a way to be connected to God without necessarily being connected to your Bible. Yes. Yes. I, I wouldn't ever be like, don't ever read it ever again. You're fine. Mm-hmm. But I also wouldn't ever condemn someone who felt like that was what they needed to do to stay spiritually connected to yeah. God. Yeah. I do think that I think the Bible can teach us so much about the character of God, even even when, um, even in places where it's not necessarily a factual telling of events. And I think that I often find myself really amazed at what I learn about man's relationship to God Mm -hmm. in the Bible, what it, the (laughs) the truths that it tells about um, how we approach God and how we view God. I... I have, um, like, a secret theory. See, now this is where I'm going to be outed as an actual heretic. I have this <laughs> secret theory. We yes. love Hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, like, w- when, um, it's something we still do today. Whenever there's some big natural disaster or something really uh, aggressive in nature happens, you always have this subset of Christians who, who credit God mm-hmm. and say, God did this as judgment. And I've thought for so long, like, some of the more aggressive, vengeful acts of God in the Old Testament, how easy would it have been for the people of that time to experience an earthquake and be like, the God opened the earth to swallow them whole for their sin. I mean, we literally still do that. People were talking about Texas like that not that long Mm -hmm. ago. Like, it's still a way that we, as a culture view God's relationship to men so even just from an understanding of an evolving view of God I think reading the Bible has value it can it can really teach us it's like reading your family history Mm. you know not every piece of it is something you're proud of and not every piece of it is something that you want to own and carry into the future but it tells the story of where you've been Mm, and that that has value yeah yeah
1: God. And that has so, that has me thinking as well about like engaging scripture from the lens of just like being a person. (laughs) Because (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think too, like when we think about the fact that, you know, Jesus came and took on a human body and died in a human body and resurrected with the tangible evidence of having lived a life and died in a human body. And like if we can consider all of those things to be true about the resurrection, then can we not also consider that same approach that you just described, to scripture of it carrying with it the evidence of human touch in the mm-hmm. same way that right. we believe that God now carries the evidence of living in a human
0: yeah. body.
1: Yeah. yeah, hmm. That I'll be thinking yeah. on that for like a week, that's good. <laughs> I
0: feel like I'm gonna have to go sit in a dark room after this and just like stare at the ceiling and like <laughs> think about everything. <laughs>
2: Well, luckily the room you're in... Yeah, I know the lights keep turning off, so, you know, we'll just sit here long enough. Just sit there for a minute until the motion sensor stops. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Wow.
0: Um, What are some... I know, like, uh, you know, as we've already said, we get these questions a lot, but what are some, like, do you have any resources you recommend or
2: books or anything like that that we can suggest to people? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So the the what the book that i always start with is a book called how to read the bible for all it's worth Mm. and most most folks who have been through any kind of bible college or seminary training are familiar with that book because it is it's a book i think they give it to you when you step on the property Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) which is so weird because it's well anyway that's a different story but yes how to read the bible for all it's worth it's, it can be very dry, especially uh, you hit the middle and from the middle on it starts to drag. But in the beginning chapters, as it lays out what hermeneutics are and what exegesis is and how um, we break down the books of the Bible into historical context and literary content and um, like uh, colloquial jargon, mm. like understanding that some of the words they use don't have a translation because those phrases were specifically, like, euphemisms for those people Mm -hmm. that don't, it doesn't translate. Um, So I think that that's a really good book that makes hermeneutics really accessible. Mm. Um, It is more of an academic book. Another really good book is uh, Peter Enns Mm. wrote a book, uh, The Bible Tells Me So, Mm. which I think is a really good book just in terms of shifting our view on how and why specifically why we read scripture and it's this whole have you have you read that book no but i know peter ends yeah yeah i haven't read that book though okay so it's it really one of the things he kind of the thesis of the book is this idea that (laughs) reading the bible is destroying our ability to read the bible (laughs) interesting can see it yeah and so yeah it's a really it's a really great um it's a really great book to I think sort of redefine your your intention in why you want to read the bible so that's another good one um uh oh miss I think i I'm misreading scripture with western eyes Mm -hmm. i believe i don't remember who wrote it off the top of my head Mm -hmm. but yeah misreading scripture through western eyes is another Mm -hmm. really good book to illustrate this idea of lenses and this idea of of specifically like cultural lenses and how we come to the, the text with some very specific notions as it relates to being predominantly uh you know european americans with a median wealth line that is far above most of the rest of the world um so that's another really good one and uh this is google yeah, <laughs> <yep>. <laughs> i feel like google gets a bad rap i think that people tend to be like don't don't google you never know what you're gonna get which i i do think it's important to be discerning and like check the web address you're at if there's more than one or if there's more than three dots in it if it's like (laughs) bible dot yeah dot (laughs) we're right you're wrong dot whatever (laughs) like maybe find a different right thing um but I think you know when I was in when I first started in schooling the Strong's Concordance you had you had to have a physical copy of it which it, it's about three times yeah, the size God. of a dictionary. It's huge. It's awful. <laughs> yeah. It's just the worst. It's all available online. It's available on an app. Like the internet is such a great resource as long as you, you have the critical thinking skills to know how to navigate and, and how to – and so there are some keywords that I, I, I like to use. Mm-hmm. Um, textual criticism of mm-hmm. is a good keyword for Googling things it's going to bring you the criticisms yeah, that's so really there will good. it's going to come from a slant but i think that's valid and valuable because we tend to only teach things from an apologetic standpoint like yes. this is right and here's why you should think it's right so knowing the textual criticisms if you're in a deconstructive mm-hmm. phase or you just want a better hermeneutic understanding of things i think that there's value in that um the last one is the the Midrash. I'm a big mm, proponent of yes. the Midrash and of viewing a specific, you know, obviously the Old Testament, but but uh, really, truly the, the Midrash, it really informs so much of the New Testament because it is a cultural study of the culture that Jesus was born into. Yeah. So, yeah. So the Midrash, which is the, it's like the Jewish, for anyone listening who might not know, the Midrash is um, ancient Jewish commentary by rabbis, uh, about old, the old Testament, what we would call the old Testament. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. There's a really good one. Um, the, a womanist midrash by, um, Dr. Yes. Will Gaffney. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That one I yes. use all the time. Yeah. It's awesome.
2: We'll make sure to like, she's great. I, I have a mm-hmm. book of, her. well, she collaborated. I I'm looking around, like I'm going to grab it. I'm not, it's not in this room. Um, but I have a book that I love. It's a, a textbook, I think. I think it's out of print, but I, you can find them on eBay. Mm-hmm. She collaborated on a Bible translation and then on a commentary for that Bible translation called, um, I believe the, the Bible is called The People's Bible. Mm-hmm. And the, the commentary is Commentary on the People's Bible. <laughs> and it's her and several, several other theologians and professors um, uh, of religious studies who got together and created this textbook commentary for the bible translation they wrote and it's amazing i love it so that's awesome i love that little shout out for yeah. dr gaffney but yeah the the um the, so the ancient midrash those are also all available online which is it's bananas like just this wealth of knowledge is just available online um and I think, so in particular, a lot of people came to my TikToks because of the Ruth and Esther videos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And those were sort of gateway stories for me in terms of deconstruction and familiarizing myself with the Jewish version of these stories and the midrash surrounding those those stories was a huge part in understanding like, uh, oh, <laughs> I don't have the market cornered on being right, apparently. Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's awesome. So, yeah, that's great.
2: Yeah. Um, Sorry, that was a lot of – No,
1: that was no, really helpful.
0: Yes, we will make sure to, like, put together a list for everyone listening. Um, we okay. will put the resources in the episode page on our website, ogodpod.com. So if you want to look at all those um, lists of books, we'll make sure to link it there. Yeah, plug,
1: <laughs> plug, yeah. plug the
0: website.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wow, self promotion is hard, man. <laughs> self promotion is, is really, really hard.
1: Please uh-huh. do look at our website. It yeah, looks really cute. I really did hard on
2: it. <laughs> your st- all your stuff is super cute. I was Aww. looking at your Instagram the Stop. other day, and I was perusing, and I was like, I just love the whole aesthetic. It's wow. very, it's very pleasing. I enjoy it. Good color usage. Good, good alignment. I'm a very visual person, so I really mm-hmm. appreciate. I People say, like, you can't judge a book by its cover. And I'm like, no, that's the whole yeah, point yeah, of the that's cover. Right. The cover absolutely has to will. slap
0: otherwise. Get out of <laughs> and it. if
2: your cover is ugly, I will 100% Yeah, not I only look at the covers so. and then I yep.
1: read the back. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's cute. Okay, so thank you so much. Yeah. I really appreciate yeah. that. And thank you so much for having yeah. this conversation with us, too. I feel like, I mean, I've got, like, 30 things that I'm going to be thinking on for, like, the yes, next week. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> which I'm really excited about. And... I just really appreciate you sharing all of your wisdom with us because yeah. you're really great, oh, and this gosh. is awesome.
2: Yeah, this is so much fun. Thank you. Well, for... thank you guys so much for for having me on. I really enjoyed talking with you guys, and I, I'm enjoying listening to the the different episodes of the podcast. So you guys are doing a great job. It's it's such an important dialogue to have, and I, I not not a lot of people hold space for it. So thank you guys so much for holding space for yeah. such, such important dialogue. Yeah, thank you for holding space for such important yes. dialogue. <laughs>
0: Wow,
1: wow, thanks. Awesome. Maddie and Reebs are both faith leaders, and the following conversation reflects their standings and beliefs, not those of their place of employment.